Hello and welcome to episode two of our New Testament journey. My name's Andy. I'm here with Tom. Today we continue on in the wonderful book of Luke. We're kind of getting into the meat of it now, aren't we? We are. Um, yeah, it's nice to be back with you again <laughs> in our basement little uh, cave that we're in. And uh, Luke chapter 6 to 10 is six what we're looking 10. at today. That was this week, wasn't it? It was indeed. So two weeks in, I'm, re- I'm enjoying it. I- I've read Luke's gospel many times, and yet each time you come back and think, ah, oh, there's, there's a new layer here yeah. to get into. Tiny little interesting thing that I I found out in my, my reading. Luke is the longest book by length in is the it? New Testament. Is it? Even though it's not the most chapters, but the chapters are quite long. So if you're a bit like, oof. These are long chapters. Yeah, we're climbing the hardest mountain first. Yeah. That's why we put it up front, actually, the length of those chapters, because yeah. you think, cool, wow, I feel like I've I've digested a lot and I've still got more to go. But, yeah. Um, it's Dr. Luke, isn't it? He's investigated thoroughly. He's ordered it. He's not kind of cut any corners. He's put it all down there uh, about the, the most amazing figure in history, Jesus. So, Tom, in, the, in these chapters, 6 to 10, yeah. Uh, are there any kind of themes we can pull out? Are there any ways of, 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 of looking back over the week, tackling it? Yeah, just to, I mean, just to refresh our memories, really, or if we're coming at this without having read through it this week, um, the, these chapters are incredible stuff. Uh, there's so much in them, and yet there's, in, there's a real hand of the Doctor, like the author who's editing the material puts it in incredible way and we see for what we see a clear theme is that what Jesus did was to the proclamation of the kingdom so um, you see uh, Jesus calling in chapter five uh, chapter six sorry he calls the disciples doesn't he he says he appoints the 12 and what he's doing there is he's sort of saying look I'm proclaiming what I'm doing something new uh, the 12 tribes of Israel were the pe- represented the people of God, the 12 sons of Jacob. And, and Jesus is almost reconstituting a people by appointing 12. It's so significant. He's proclaiming what I'm doing is a whole new kingdom. So does that, I mean, straight into deep theology, uh, maybe we don't want to go here, but is that replacing Israel, you, you you wrote a little bit about it in our devotionals. It's not quite replacement, is it? No, I mean, replacement theology was a big thing that um, came around, I think, in about the sort of the, the 40s. Um, and, and then after the World War Two, and people looked at uh, what happened to the Jewish people, uh, particularly in World War Two, everyone was like, oh, replacement theology sounds horrible. Maybe that contributed a little bit to this. Uh, it would only be a replacement, of course, if you were taking people who weren't part of Israel. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can't really Jews, replace yeah. somebody with themselves. Yeah. So uh, what Jesus is doing is saying, no, you are part of these 12 tribes, but we're reconstituting what it is to be us. It's a family thing. Like it's, a, it's a redefinition of, of what we're about. It's mm. the long-promised hope uh, of the prophets being met in the people it was promised to. They're not being replaced by another people. It's in these people, mm-hmm. but it is something fresh and something new. Yeah, um, so he proclaims this, and then he proclaims this is the lifestyle, the kingdom lifestyle uh, in chapter 6, which is the equivalent of the Sermon on the Mount that we get in, in Matthew. This is Luke's version of that. Yeah, it's slightly shorter, isn't it? Um, slightly more condensed, but we see still... 
kind of the key themes of Jesus' teaching, which he seems to proclaim early on, because it's early on in Matthew, isn't it? Mm. And then again, it's early on in Luke. It's like this is the kingdom manifesto, you might want to call it, kingdom lifestyle, enemy love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's changed the world, enemy yeah. love. That that teaching, it's... I think, it, I think it's really... If not unique, it's really, really rare to find a moral teaching that you would love your enemy. Yeah, it's, you know, it is that you have heard it said to you, eye for an eye, but I say to you. Um, And, yeah, I mean, famous examples that that have, you know, used that and built movements of that, obviously Martin Luther King, but but throughout history, this has changed it. When, when, When people have lived this, the world's changed yeah. and there's not that many ideas or things that you can say that about. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's, a, it's, a, it's not been bettered in moral teaching. Is there no kind of, it's not moral philosophy out there. People saying, Oh, we've, <laughs> we've come up with something better 2000 years later. To me, it's one of those, this is, this is marked by the divine. This mm. is mm. God speaking and who, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, who is saying it, how they back that up. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, the wisdom that Jesus brings, a good tree bears good fruit. Um, this kind of inside-out approach, he he contrasts his kingdom lifestyle, the, the way of the kingdom, with the kind of religious observance that the Pharisees have been living. To, it's about cleaning the inside of the cup. You do that, the outside will be clean as well. Um, quite interesting, you know, our, our political situation at the moment, you know, there's a hunger. As humans, we're hungry for integrity, yeah. for, for for it to be true. We want good trees. Again, Jesus brought, brought this teaching. And then the kind of iconic story of the wise and the foolish builders, this kind of touchstone of, of what Jesus says, um, we're all building a life. We're all building a life. And if you hear these words of mine, put them into practice. You're like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. I must have heard that story. I don't know. I mean, probably even before I could speak properly, you know, I remember singing songs about it as a child. And now pushing on a bit, (laughs) it still fascinates me. And that's the quality of the teacher. It's, It's simple. It's iconic. It's concrete enough that a child can grasp it and sing about it. And I understood a little bit about what it was then. And you can spend your whole life investigating it and still feel like I'm not quite. So proclamation of the king is just an incredible teacher. Yeah. The best. Yeah. And uh, he follows up his proclamation of the kingdom uh, with the demonstration of the kingdom. This is the second key theme we see happening in these chapters. Um we see Jesus coming and with a centurion uh, who approaches him and is like, my servant is sick. And Jesus demonstrates the power of God, the compassion of God. He's like, yeah, okay, look, I, I just speak the word. And he demonstrates that this kingdom that he's bringing, this uh, thing that he's been talking about really works. Like It has power to it that at a distance can remove a sickness from a person's body. 
And it's such an interesting response of Jesus as a Jew to a Roman soldier, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we get into that, don't we, with the, with the, the key, one of the key themes of Luke, of course, is that the kingdom that Jesus is bringing isn't unique to one people group. Yeah. It's for all people groups. And he comes on to that. But the, uh, the demonstrate, I mean, just that love, the demonstration yeah. of, of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that uh, you often will reference the widow's son. Widow's son is my favourite one. <laughs> I, I, I want to. I want to find out why did only Luke record this, but then it begs the question for me: like, you know, these guys they they edited, they put in order, they spaced it out. Uh, John doesn't he says if all the things were written, there wouldn't be space enough yeah. in in the yeah. libraries, and you think, oh, only Luke got this. What, what didn't quite make the cut, um, and then. Again, demonstration of the kingdom. So, kind of got authority over sickness. Then we see him calming the storm. Authority over nature. Um, similar authority over nature of feeding the five thousand. This kind of bounty of the kingdom. And then a dead girl is raised. Like authority over, even over death. Mm. Um, that's 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 quite some kingdom. <laughs> and, and, and I was just reading this week when I was reading Jesus. Raising the widow's son, mm. and I, I thought I always think of you when I read that book, <laughs> story. Uh, but the thing that struck me is like, but why? Why do you do it? Yeah. And, and there seems to be no. It's not like a strategic action to mm. show to win anybody. He just it says he just looks at her and has compassion. Yeah. And part of the demonstrating of the kingdom is actually it's just this is what life life is like when God's around. Like he looks at your pain and your loss, and he does something about it. Yeah. I just love that. Mm-hmm. So the, the pro- proclamation of the kingdom, the demonstration of the kingdom, woven all the way through these chapters. And then you see coming in, even right at the very beginning, in fact, uh, is the separation. So the proclamation and the demonstration lead to a separation that the kingdom brings. It separates, it sifts, it shows. Some people go one way, some people go another. And um, particularly uh, the Pharisees, Chapter six, they, they can't cope with the fact that the law that they think there should be on the Sabbath, which is a law from the Old Testament, but it's a law that they're applying in an incredibly merciless manner. Mm. That it's just they've lost all the sense of who God is in their in their application and enforcement of the law of the Sabbath. And so what Luke shows and what Jesus brings is a separation. Those who you think should respond actually get excluded. And those who you think shouldn't be responding, a man with a withered hand, actually they get included. Uh, And Jesus puts words to this in his proclamation, there's woes as well as blessings. And um, even John the Baptist is at risk. Even John the Baptist is at risk of in this separation of falling the wrong side of the line. Because he has to send his disciples and be like, "What is this right? I'm, I'm just a bit confused. I thought you were coming to overthrow the Romans, to establish all that God promised through the prophets. And what's going on?" And, and Jesus actually says to him, "Look, go back and tell him. Right? Like this stuff is happening in individuals' lives. It mm. may not be happening on a societal, national basis, but look at individuals' lives." 
the separation, people are coming in, they're rushing into the kingdom and the kingdom's rushing over them. It's healing their sickness. It's casting out their demons. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's swallowing up their poverty into a life rich in spiritual life. Um, yeah, separation. Yeah, different how they expected, isn't it? I mean, I, you have the the story as well of the the sin the sinful woman and the uh, the Pharisees. I mean, it, it's scandalous, isn't it? Mm. It's is scandalous. Mm. Um, yeah, like bluntly, a, a sex worker walks in and she's behaving very intimately with mm. him. Mm. Um, I love the the way that that you framed it in the in the devotional this week of just just show Jesus poise, his absolute comfort, his absolute um, integrity and oh what's the word you know where I would be flustered Mm. or embarrassed or let's kind of square the circle he's just very content to let it play out as it will all kinds of different reactions going off in the room Mm. Uh, and we see you know she has been forgiven much and so she loves much, mm. whereas the Pharisees, they don't think they're in need of forgiveness. Mm. Um, they don't they don't honour the one who has come to be among them, and so they fall the wrong side of the line. Yeah, and I think that's to me it still is shocking reading the New Testament to realise quite how comfortable all these guys are with the reality of separation. Mm. Um, that actually they're not insecure that oh some people don't want Jesus. Mm. Like, no, this is just what Jesus came. He came to separate people with even mothers and brothers yeah. biologically fall the wrong side because the real mothers and brothers are those who know Jesus, who trust him, who listen to his words and do what he says. And yeah. I, I still feel the challenge of that. Yeah. Um Jesus comes to win people, but in winning some, he, others are repelled. Yeah, and we kind of get an open window in the kind of what happens with the disciples in terms of that question, because they're working out who is this guy, what's going on, which side of the line will they fall, will they give themselves to him as, as Lord, mm. um, or will they say, oh, no, this is not for me. This is too hard for me. And you kind of see it in Peter's confession, don't you? And what's fascinating is that in an age where it's become so, in a way, still I think it's still quite comfortable to be a Christian. Mm. It's still going to be like, oh, I'll show up at church every now and then. I can call, I can tick the census box of I'm a Christian. I can say I'm a Christian. When it's so comfortable and easy to have somebody who comes in, it's like, no, look, here's the line. You're one side of the line and the other side mm. of the line. Are you on board with the proclamation, demonstration of the kingdom? Are you in board with all I'm saying about myself, all I'm showing about myself? Or actually, are you, like, wound up by that? Are you? Does that cause you to kind of walk off? Mm. That it, 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 It's at odds, really, with the model or maybe the feel of what a lot of the church can be mm. today. Yeah. Um, and this separation, of course... Uh, shows it i love it because what you then see is jesus then catches the guys who were with him and he then sends them off to do what he's done so jesus 
is to them what he then wants them to be to the world. Mm. So he says, right, now you 12 go off and proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom and you'll see a separation. And he says to the 72, now you go off and probably 72 is a significant figure, probably refers to what they thought were the number of nations in the world at the time. Is that right? Yeah, so they thought there were 72 nations in the world at the the moment. So he seems to sort of symbolically appoint one for each nation. Mm. Now, of course, we don't think he actually sent one to each nation, but it's a symbolic thing. Um, and he says, right, you go now, you proclaim, you demonstrate the kingdom, and you will find a separation. Find the man of peace. If they don't want anything to do with you, shake the dust off your feet. Mm. And this sense that you'll go. So proclamation, demonstration, separation. And this is like the rhythm that Luke mm. establishes, and it plays out uh, through the rest of the gospel. And you're right. Like, it, they, they respect people's decision to, to separate yeah. They don't chase, do they? They don't chase. And and I think, um, yeah, you're right. That's They don't talk really about those who don't mm. fall the right side of the line. And, and um, we know that there's many, like Jesus' his own brothers. Yeah. In fact, they fall the wrong side of the line now. They feel like, but they're not lost because they come back and actually James, Jesus' brother, becomes mm. the leader of all the church. Yeah. So, but we don't hear a lot about what happens to those who fall that side of the line. But you certainly there's a real focus in Luke, which he sweeps us through into the book of Acts, of those who have said yes, they get caught up in this thing. Mm. They just become they join the adventure. They become like the Jesus the Jesus people to the world around them. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. Amazing. So I mean that's just a really short summary of those six five chapters. Six to ten, uh, Andy. What what did you what grabbed you in it? What did you feel like the Lord really uh, burned in your heart this week? Yeah, I think that we, we've touched upon it already a little bit, but but the two things that that really messed <laughs> have messed with my head a little bit. One in particular is is the thing of when perfect love walked the earth. Everybody didn't just stand up and applaud. No. Um, and like you say, I think, you know, in, in the kind of church that, that we are part of and the, the kind of church movements, I think we can sometimes feel like, hey, if everybody's not loving what we're doing, we must be doing something wrong. Wow. It's like the worst thing that we could be is offensive. Mm. Like we kind of poo-poo the street preacher who's turning mm. people away mm. we would never do that we've got good music and mm. fun meetings and and like i've given my life to what we do I, i'm not against it but i just think that that thing of when perfect love walked the earth not everybody did stand up and applaud. You see a range of emotional reactions to Jesus. They were furious. They used the word furious in Nazareth um, just before this week's readings, last week's readings. They were, they were furious at this guy. Others were offended. You know, others hated what he was doing. And that was perfect love. Now, I, I'm not the embodiment of perfect love. I, I'm kind of muddling through doing my best. So, like... The crowd is so interesting in the Gospels. The, the crowd is revealed to be a very poor indicator of what's good and what's mm. not good. Mm. And so for me, it's just that, okay, let, don't worry so much about the optics, how it looks, what people will say, how well it will be received. 
um, because genuine profits aren't honoured. <laughs> um uh, they are often rejected and killed and and that's not to then make the line okay how can i be as offensive as possible that's not the goal it's just okay if you pursue love you're going to get all kinds of reactions um so that 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 was a a, a, that's been a big thing um around my mind and then I, i do love these these gospels um because they do show discipleship as a process yeah um, it's funny because absolutely we talk about the separation one side of the line or the other, but it's not like somebody steps from nowhere to finished article as a disciple. All these guys go on some really roundabout journeys. Jesus takes them through a process. There's there's all kinds of different things that go into the discipleship process. There is teaching. There is uh, walking with Jesus, there is spending time in relationships with others who aren't like you. Uh, there is demonstration of the of the kingdom. There is dealing with some of these dynamics. There are meal, you know, it's a process, and they and they move them through. And so, for me, I, I'm not the finished article. Great, Jesus is, isn't done with me yet. And this this person or these people who I'm interacting with, how can I help them take? take the next step mm. so uh, reactions and discipleship they were kind of my two and as you're listening to andy talk you might be thinking actually do you know what um you at times have felt lonely because you have followed jesus and you expected that people would respond maybe not with applause like you wouldn't really think they'd applaud you but you think they would at least have kind of appreciated acts of love that you've taken on behalf of Jesus, and actually they haven't. Mm. And I think the Lord would just want to really free you from thinking that you got something wrong in that moment. That's what Andy's saying. That's the thing there, that Jesus never got a single thing wrong, and sometimes they hated him. Mm. And and I just think there is actually a really powerful in our our identity formation model that we have in our society is so confused, and we can so often put so much of our own value on how others respond, how much they affirm and validate us. And for some of us right now, actually, what the Lord's wanting to do is say, do you know what? I validate you, and others haven't, and that's hurt. Mm. But that same thing happened to Jesus. And Jesus himself wants to come to you, put his hand on your shoulder and, and just minister his strength, really, and, and a, re, a re-stating. Yeah, you, you are his. You don't have to go back over those things and just mm-hmm. keep, keep kind of beating yourself up. Um. I just wanted to say that because yeah, as you were saying that, I just thought, you know what? Yeah. I just wonder if that's something the Spirit is saying to some people. Um, what stood out for you? Yeah, well, I mean, that second thing you talked about, I, I still one of the one of the most helpful things I ever heard um, on the discipleship model. model. Uh, and this is because I grew up in a mathematician's house. My dad was a math teacher. My mum was a math teacher. My older brother, Ben, loved maths, did maths at university. Uh PhD maths at Cambridge. Uh, so maths was a thing in our house. Uh, I never really liked maths. <laughs> I think by comparison, I was rubbish. Um, but 
the idea that I think I had was that the um, what's what be called um, bounded sets. So bounded set would say if something is inside this boundary, they're in, and if they're outside the boundary, they're out. And often in church language we can talk about you're saved or you're not saved you're in or you're out and the separation points that there's an mm. element of truth to that you follow jesus or you don't follow jesus uh, but actually what you also see is a lot as well as the bounded set you see something called a centered set now a centered set doesn't have a boundary around it it has a center point and the center point is as the language would describe a center and then you would have all kinds of points charted on this place, with an arrow showing their direction, their trajectory. And what you see happening uh, with Jesus is that he is the centre of a whole new set called the Kingdom of God. And you have people who are so close to him, who look so much like him, called Pharisees, but their arrow is pointed away from Jesus. Mm -hmm. When he speaks, they say, no, we cannot accept what you're saying about Sabbath. No, we hate what you're saying about Sabbath. No, we hate you. We want to kill you. And their arrow is pointed directly away from the centre of the set. They're rushing away from the kingdom. And then you see a sinful woman, a sex worker, who has so much sin. And she, Jesus, is perfect holiness. He never once has lusted over anybody, never once been involved in anything, even remotely uh, improprietous with his his sexuality. Mm. And so he's here, and the, the sinful woman is all the way over there, like miles away, and yet her arrow is absolutely towards him and she's taking her tears and her hair and she's and her, she's rushing towards him and and the beauty the beauty of what Jesus offers is he doesn't say you have to be inside this boundary to be on the right side of the separation what he says ultimately is if you're coming towards me wherever you are whatever you started from you're one of my people mm. And the kingdom embraces those and draws them in and and ultimately turns them into people who then go off and find others mm. to draw them in as well. And I, do you know, I just captured by that time and time again that Jesus is leading me towards perfection because he's perfection. So he's leading me towards perfection. But there's a whole, like, just a whole load of embracing of the journey to get there mm. for me and for others. And I love that so much. Yeah. So it's the it's a kind of natural encouragement, like wh- wherever you feel you are, turn and walk towards Jesus. Yeah, and you know, and this is why, of course, in the Hebrews they say, "Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith." Mm. And um, you know, Luke himself will say, "Jesus has gone to seek and save the lost." And how does he seek and save them? What does he do to them? He doesn't actually get them to pray a little prayer of repentance, if you notice. Mm. What does he do to them? He makes them think about him, listen to him, look at him, try and do life like he says. It's all about making him the centre of their attention. So if you're here and you think, I'm struggling with my faith, I feel distant mm. from God, I feel like I don't really, I want to grow and I don't really know how to do it, look at Jesus. The attention you give the Son determines who you become. The attention you give Jesus is all it's all there is it's all that matters when it comes to growth of character to becoming a good tree who will bear good fruit it's all about look at jesus focus on jesus think about jesus try to become like jesus 
We pray. I think that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Just thinking about your words, Jesus, when when you replied in an offensive way to some. He said, "My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice." And I want to pray for us, Lord, as we take this New Testament journey, that that would be at the core of it, that we would hear your words and we would put them into practice. Yeah. I pray, Lord, that you'd increase our hunger to listen and to look and to seek after you. I pray that your life would be formed in us. I pray that your spirit would empower us. And I pray, Lord, even for this coming week as we walk on in Luke, that you would blow us away Mm. with who you are, Jesus, with what you're like, with what you do, and with what you're doing in the whole world. And I pray, Lord, for anybody coming across this teaching, that now, right now, would be a moment of turning to you, Wherever, wherever we are, now would be a moment of turning to you and of walking towards you, of hearing your word and, and doing it, putting yeah. it into practice. Yeah. I pray that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen.